Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 8, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. And Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and study to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're going to chat about the Boston Bruins prospects with their assistant general manager, Jamie Langbrunner. Thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for having me. Shane, Brad, appreciate well, it. You guys uh, have been uh, winning a lot of games, so you know, we have to give you guys some credit about some Good drafting and developing, and we should uh, continue on. I mean, a lot of second and third round picks, and I think a lot of fans sometimes forget about those players until they're in the NHL. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were second and third and fourth round picks, and let's talk about another one in Brett Harrison. I'm uh, I'm curious about what's going to happen with this crop of players who missed that year because of COVID and missed those games played a little bit from that standpoint. I mean, I know he went to Finland and got – you know, eight games in and had the U18s. But talk about that transition for him from obviously make you know jump making the jump from the OHL into Providence this year. He got a game last year, but talk about what you saw from him last year and then what you're starting to see through camp and then this early part of his year in Providence. Well, I think uh, Brett's a prime example of one of those ones that's, you know, learning the, the adjustment to pro hockey. Um, you know, a lot of the habits and daily uh, routine that is part of playing in our organization uh, is I don't want to say it's new to him because it's been something that's been stressed for for the last few years but uh, something that he's he's adjusting to and the the speed at which pro hockey is played at uh, even at the American League level compared to to junior and um, you know just building some of those things into his game um, his Offensive talent is there. He can shoot a puck. Um, his instincts are, are, are very good. Um, it's just building some of those details into his game that uh, to play for us are, are vital and uh, we expect from every player. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's making his way and had a, a pretty solid weekend. Uh, uh, the weekend before this one where you know, our team was able to, to win three in a row and he was able to be uh be involved in that and he's just continuing to to grow and, and adjust to the game and you know he's he's working hard at it jamie how would you characterize his game Is he, would you consider him a versatile type of forward a swiss army knife player do you feel he's more of a dual threat more more of a scorer as a pro how would you how would you characterize what you think he's going to be developing into for you um we, we want him to be a, a dual threat I, I think his shot is is a weapon um you know he has the ability to, to beat goalies and beat them from distance which not not every player does um so i think that's going to be a, his first one but he, he he can make little plays um you know part of what we're we're trying to do is you know get him to value some of the the play without the puck a little bit more um stuff that probably wasn't stressed to him as much on the daily and in, in junior and happens with a lot of guys where that's not the the value piece for him and for us moving forward it, it is and you know when he grasps some more of that I think the the secondary little plays and uh, some of the 
the instinctual defensive stuff that he's going to need to have is growing. And we're, you know, we're continuing to work with him on that and he's continuing to get better at it. Does it help in your conversations with him and your AHL coaches, your player development staff that you can show examples of guys that have progressed through your system into the NHL and go, they went through the same steps that you did. And this is why we're trying to implement these habits. So it becomes behavior and at the point when you're playing, you don't have to think about it anymore because the minute you, th- you know, the second you think the game slows down, but we want to get you to that point. And when you do, don't worry, all the points and all the other things that you had success with in junior, that's going to come flooding back to you. Yeah. And I think that's, you said that well there, Shane, it's always the the biggest adjustment. And, you know, I think I mentioned it of, of what these kids value and what's important to them and, what's uh, given him value on teams before and, and Harry's no different in that, uh, you know, production and scoring goals and w- was what uh, teams valued him for. And for us, it's, there's, there's more to that. And to be a successful pro, you, you, you need to find that those other pieces in your game that, that give you value when the puck isn't going in the net. And, you know, he's, he's learning that and he's, you're, you're exactly right. We have, we have a ton of examples and we have a ton of guys that are, we're fortunate that are that are pushing that within our group, whether it was at training camp and you know Brad pushing them in that direction, or or Charlie Coyle or Trent Frederick or anybody that's been through our system and knows what what we stress and what's important to us, uh, kind of showing them the, the ropes a little bit. Is Fabian Lysel another player that you know, you can point to and say, you know, last year he went through his first year and yes, he produced some points, but there were some things in his game that you know, came from junior where you got to alter some of these habits. And then this year you see, you know, it's not all points, but of course he's an offensive player where, you know, 12 points in 15 games, that's significant in, especially with a sophomore in the American hockey league. Talk about that, you know, Fabian Lyon sells next step that he's taken from last year to this year and how that sort of applies with, you know, Harrison in terms of just those steps that need to be taken. For sure. And I, th- I think uh, Fabian, although it is his, his second year, like you said, it, it's really his first year age-wise, uh, you know, as, a, as an 03 birth. But he, uh, some of those things that have been, we'll say, pounded into his head here for the last 12 months are, are starting to come to fruition and it becomes more, more natural and he expects it of himself. Um, you know, I think that's when you know that they're, they're starting to grasp it as, they're they're answering you with what's missing that that you're seeing the same thing where you know early on it could be a well I didn't score one so they now realize that that's not necessarily the the thing that we're we're focused on right now I mean it's obviously a part of it and if, uh, if scoring was easy everybody would do it but you know you still need to be able to have those B game pieces and I think Fabian uh, you know to twelve points in fifteen games but he he's becoming a more trusted player with the coaching staff he, he's been able to be put into situations at, at end of games which help to you know build that confidence within the player and you know with us and with in him so it's uh it's been a progression he's still only a, a 20 year old kid and continuing to grow and uh, get stronger and, and be a player that's gonna gonna help the Boston Bruins moving forward. Jim, I feel with, with this player, Lysel, is it's always been about that, that high-octane motor he has and that drive. And uh, how do you weaponize that so that it, it's positive for him 
when sometimes I felt, especially in his initial draft year, I was going to ask about the development of this. Sometimes he would shoot himself in the foot. He essentially, you know, he, he would become a turnover machine when he wasn't playing well. Um, mm-hmm. As part of his progression as a pro, just getting the consistency and the efficiency rates up when he's handling the puck so he can take advantage of that motor. Yeah, I think you're 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 bang on there, Brad. It, it, it's knowing when that motor is being of value and when you're when you are going to just put yourself in a spot where you're chasing back and defending or you know giving all bad rushes the other way. It's it's valuing the puck, putting it into spots where where you can get it back, using his line mates. You know, he he has some quickness to him um, and some elusiveness, but using your line mate, jump into an area and, and getting it back. You don't have to go through everybody to to make that play. Trust trust the people that are around you. I, I think that was one of Fabian's biggest hurdles in the in the last couple of years is, is trust in general. Like he, he's a very self-motivated, driven player and trusting people in general doesn't come naturally. Um, so it, it's building those relationships with him and then he respects the information you're giving back and it, it, it helps move him along. And, and sometimes that takes a little bit of time, you know, some of the, uh, some of us are, are stubborn people and uh, you know, I'm probably one of them as well. And I know Shane is, so, you know, we need to, <laughs> we need to, we need to adjust once in a while. And, you know, that, that, that takes time. You know, and that's, you get back to that, that cognitive aspect of a player's development of just having to remap some of the things he thinks about and go, you know, this is going to help you get there. And it may take you, you know, a year or two to, for that to become consistent in terms of you just don't think about it anymore and your guy's going to be there. And, 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 and you have to look at from a player development standpoint, what environment did he come in and did that help create that, right? Where he was on his own. I'm like, I got to win this game on my own. And as a talent pool compresses you, I mean, unless you're Wayne Gretzky or Lemieux or somebody like that, you just can't win the game on your own and you're going to have to change those habits. Yeah, I, I think you said it well there. And I bet you if you asked Mario or Wayne, they would say they, they don't win it on their own either. Even, you know, this is hockey is the ultimate team game and you have to you have to trust those around you and you have to trust the guys are going to do their job and, you know, continue to, to push you in the right direction. And, you know, when you when you doubt that or get in the way of that, uh, it, it makes it very difficult to, to accomplish the goal you're, you're, you're trying to accomplish. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. Stay tuned. We're going to continue to talk about the Bruins prospects right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back empowered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're continuing to talk about the Boston Bruins prospects with their assistant general manager, Jamie Langebrunner. So let's talk about uh, the latest gem that you guys have unearthed and Matthew uh, Portois. Look, we talked about it and Brad and I and everybody else, nobody had him projected to be like that. So if you guys did great on you guys, uh, because it's just every once in a while, there's a player that comes out of the woodwork. Um, that's a, outside of the top two rounds that 19, 20 years old. And we just, it makes us forces us go back and like reevaluate what we thought, like what we thought about him. It made me go back and look at my scouting reports and made me go back and look at film. I'm like, okay, what, what did I miss? Or what did I misevaluate in terms of, did I not give him enough credit for this or did I overemphasize this? So I think he's a really great case study for all of us in player evaluation and thoughts on him of where those jumps that he made, because they were significant jumps over the last couple of years to make it to this point from his draft year. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we'd be lying to you right now. If we thought he was making our team coming out of camp, um, you know, I, I, I think we went into camp, uh, with hopes then we were, we were obviously higher on him than you. We took him late there in the second round and obviously took some grief for it, but you know, it's a kid. We, we liked his, his hockey sense and his will to compete in those, in those areas. You know, you look at, he's a little bit slighter. He's not the fastest, but he's smart and he's competitive and he's strong on his skates in, in battles and and those things a lot of times when put in the right situations uh can have success and you know 
during camp, we, we tried to push them in every way, put them in a back-to-back -back situation, try to put them in ways to, I don't want to say make them fail, but make it hard to, to, to get through. And he kept on taking the next step and taking the next step and kind of forced our hand into to giving him the opportunity. And, you know, so far he's, he's done a good job of uh, continuing that. And, you know, we'll see where it goes this year. Um, He's a, he's a guy that's helped our group. He's helped solidify the, the middle of our ice and, and given us a, a, another layer of, uh, of guys that can uh, contribute on the offense fan without, uh, without giving up much on the defense fan. And I think that's a tribute to a you know, young 19-year-old playing the league, the, the, the two-way game that he has shown so far. Do you feel that it's a combination in terms of his accelerated development? It's one part the fact that he's worked off the ice diligently on his explosiveness to compensate for a bit of his skating mechanics. And it's the other fact he's such a brilliant stretch playmaker. Usually that's, you know, synonymous with defensemen, but I feel like with centers that, that really rely on their vision, it's also critical. But if he can really stretch the length of the ice with a pass, he doesn't have to rely so much on being the entry point with the skating. He doesn't have to get the zone entries at the rate some of these other centers do. Is that, or is that somewhat of the combination that's helping him get to where he is right now? Yeah, it, it could be. You know, I, I think that's, that's part of it. I, I, I do think, and, you know, I may be wrong and I'm probably the, one of the guys that doesn't value skating quite as much as, as others do. I, I, I do think he gets around the ice better than, than, than any of us gave him credit for. Like it, it may not always look pretty, but the, the timing of it and the, the actual pace he plays with it because of his anticipation ability is he's, he's rarely struggling with that. Um, he, he's able to get it through the neutral zone, even in last night's game, like he's able to, he's Tampa in, in, a, in a difficult environment. He's, he's able to, to gain, to gain zones and, and to create, and, and he does a good job of, of using his body and his positioning to, to create even more space. So, um, you know, I think it's it's one of those we'll call it on the rarer ones where I, I think the sum of the parts is just just better than the, than the individual pieces that are in that toolkit. I had to go back, and I'm glad you brought up that point about his skating because it's something that Pat Malloy talked a lot about with his clients. Because he has Tyler Toffoli and you know Mark Stone's worked with him, and like they're great at skating the game. They're not the fastest skater, but they understand how to use their skating and when to use it. And it's just being intelligent of how it escaped the game. You don't have to be the fastest player, but you can be a really effective skater. And that's what I think I missed in him when I was evaluating him is, you know, and it's something I, I always take, take notice of, but I didn't obviously notice it with him is like, okay, he knows how to skate the game effectively. He doesn't have to be that fast. And then he uses the puck to, because the game moves faster through the puck than through your feet. So, you know, yeah. in that yeah, respect. Thanks. And those are two high, high examples, uh, you know, in, in Tyler and, uh, and, and Mark Stone that uh, obviously if uh, Maddie gets to those levels, we'll be, uh, we'll be thrilled. hundred percent. Let's talk about uh, Mason Lorai as well. Talk about his development coming through. I like, you know, obviously coming out of college hockey and then getting the, you know, that cup of coffee, I think last year was really important for him in Providence. And now this year, you know, he got some games, obviously, with you in, in Boston and set seven games in the American League. Talk about that transition of coming out of college. Yeah, I think that you 
that stretch of games he was able to play last year was was very helpful for him. One, showing him how much work he needed to do within the summer, um, and to give that his mind the the ability to see what that next level of pace is like. And I think that helps you in in your transition and a comfort level. Like he was a part of the group coming into camp. You know, he spent a, a lot of the the summer in Boston training to get himself ready. Um, but it's something we we try to do with our guys. You know, the, the big thing is for teams to burn these college guys, stick them in an NHL game, and then they go back. You know, we we try more often than not to, in most cases, that it's more beneficial to get some American League games, get some real pro experience. Um, going in for a cup of coffee game is is great, and you, you get the excitement of it, but the real value for you long-term in – you play in 10, 15 years in the, in the league is, is in learning and taking these steps, skipping steps is, is rarely the path for, for most of these players. So, you know, we, we try to stress that and, and give you a chance to, to play in those environments. You know, we're, we were heading into a playoff run and you got to play some big minutes in a, in tough situations. How do you find his defense is adapted from college to now pro? Uh, it's continuing to be a work in progress. You know, I, I think, you know, I don't know how much of the story you guys know, but, I mean, this was a forward almost his whole life. You know, he switched over in, in high school to, to defense. So, instinctually, it's it's a little bit of a – it's a little bit of a change for him. Um, defending high-level players, you know, you, you watch him last night against Tampa or against Toronto in nights. You know, you're, you're playing against these high-talented players, um, learning how to get the body positioning, learning – how to use your leverage, um, some of these things that you only learn from from playing and getting those experiences. And, you know, a credit to our coaching staff, you can see them continuing to coach them. You know, our Providence staff did the same thing and, and sticking with it because, you know, the offensive plays and the ability to, to transition pucks, it, it comes naturally to them. The the defensive piece is the one that he's going to continue to, to learn. And uh, he's, He's pushing himself to do it, and you're seeing growth in it uh, nightly. I find those players intriguing, the ones that transition from forward to D, especially late. Like, you look at um, Condre Miller, uh, New York, and he did that late, and you have these, like, these lanky, athletic D-men, but once that tends to click, where they're not thinking anymore defensively, it's just everything else sort of seems to fall into place for them because they're smart and athletic. Yeah, it's the athletic ability. You know, he's he's six five. He can skate. He's got good hands. He, you know, he has a a swagger about his game um, that I can make a play. I can be a difference. And when you when you move like that, it's uh, it's fun to watch. And you know, I think he's he's given us a dimension back there that you know really complements our group. And uh, you know, we're we're excited to have him in the mix and continue to move forward with. Him. Jamie, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Always appreciate the insight of your prospects and safe travels out there. From Shane, Brad, pleasure. Anytime. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll stay tuned right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat 
a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. We're now going to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights prospects with the Director of Amateur Scouting, Scott Luce. Scotty, thanks for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Shane. Always a pleasure. Well, let's uh, chat about actually your last year's draft. I uh, didn't get a chance to talk to you in length about some of the guys you took. And I initially, I really want to get your opinion and thoughts of David Enstrom. So you guys took him 32nd overall. I had him 30th on my list, so we're in the same wheelhouse. And what really intrigued me by him, one, okay, he's a great big horse of a kid at 6'3 and close to 200 pounds. But I thought, like, even though you know, he's a Swede and they play on a bigger ice. I thought his game is going to translate and be really well suited to the North American game because I found he excels in small ice game where, you know, it's a lot of like short passes, a lot of like battles for pucks and possession. And I thought he was really astute defensively for a young centerman. Many times they're, you know, wildly inconsistent in that area. And I just, I thought his game would translate where he could be a big body center in the NHL two way. And, but I think he's just, his offensive abilities was underappreciated and a little bit of untapped. And I think we're starting to see that now just through the early part of his season uh, with Frölunda in the Swedish elite league. Yeah, no, your, your analysis is, is bang on Shane. I mean, the biggest thing that 
created some separation for David on our list with the other prospects was those small area games at both ends of the ice surface. You know, the offense is there and it's visible at times. And it's like you say, it's popping now more in SHL in his draft plus one year. But defensively is where he really stood out uh, from a draft perspective in the, in the small area. He's so responsible down low, supports the puck very well, uh, has great anticipation and read and react skills in both, both zones. It's a good combination of size, skill, and sense is, is the package that we liked in David. Yeah, he, when I look at him, when I'm trying to put a list together, I always prioritize and give additional value to the, to the players who I think are going to be playoff-style players. Because it's one thing to draft a player, get him into the NHL, but can he excel when the game gets greasy? And I think sometimes, you know, we watch 82 games of a regular season. We sometimes forget what the NHL is really like until the first round happens. And then it's like a free-for-all brawl. And you need to have those types of players, particularly in the middle, who can play those heavy minutes and match up, but also be able to produce greasy points, whether it's on a pass or a goal in the middle of the ice. And that's where I thought, you know, that part of David's game, I thought really translated is, you know, watching you guys go through the playoffs. And I went, you know, I was watching some film on him again before our conversation. And it just, it was just more and more that just to me um, became really crystal clear in that respect. And if you look at, you know, other teams around the league, you know, they, there's other guys that are similar to him that I think it underestimated could, but put can put up 40, 50 points a year on a regular basis, but, but then be a matchup centerman down the middle. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's his strength as a prospect. There's no, no question about it. Uh, you know, he had a good five nation tournament recently in November. We were over there watching him play. Uh, we noted some improvement in his leg strength, but uh, just the puck confidence uh, in, in an offensive way, has really taken a big step uh, since being drafted. I mean, defensively, he was always very responsible, good in the face-off circle, uh, a real good complement to skilled wingers. And uh, it's, you know, it's just a step along the way for him, but he's taken that first step and is doing quite well this year to start the season. In terms of his skating, do you – sometimes I think people will, like that are listening to the show, I get some comments about, you know, a bigger guy like him. Well, he's developed in – He's not developed. He's just a big kid, but he doesn't have quite have man strength yet. He's not quite as explosive he's going to be when he's 23. Can you talk a little bit about when that starts to come together for him and how much that's going to be able to help his game of just having a little more explosiveness in that step to not only create some time for himself, but take away some time and space and then for him to be able to use his range and his body in conjunction with that? Yeah, no, the biggest thing when you talk about those long, thin, players when we draft them at 18 it takes your body some time to become as we call man strength and, and acquire hockey strength you know we're talking leg strength and core strength basically to get that lower center of gravity uh strong under edges and stuff like that for a smaller player it, it happens a little bit quicker because they have less dimensions to work with uh the bigger players the taller players take a little bit longer they show the good at natural athleticism with their hands and their head and so on and so forth, but usually it's the body that takes uh, the longest for some of those guys, especially the thin ones, to, to uh, get to that pro level, whereas their skills are there, but they are got to wait for their body to come along, and then they become the sum of all their parts, and then that's when their pro careers take off. I'd like to ask you next about Matthew Cataford, who you guys took in the third round playing for Halifax, and one of the things I like about you know some of the, a lot of the players you've taken is 
they're in really good environments for player development. And you can trust uh, the guys at the Halifax Mooseheads in terms of they produce a lot of NHL players and get them ready to turn on, turn to be pro in, in Matthew's case. No, he's not the tallest guy, but he's pretty thick, uh, you know, and, and so he's going to be able to, you know, pack on some man strength on there as well. Talk about how he's continued to develop because yes, he had an excellent year last year in terms of production. I thought he did, you know, quite well in the playoffs, but this year it looks like he's just turned a corner of like understanding he has to be the man in all situations and, you know, taking a letter. I think that was really important step for him too, taking some added responsibility, but yeah, I know it's not all about points, but 34 points in 21 games is, Ah, those are big numbers. Even in the queue, which it tends to be a little bit more offensive, those are big numbers. No, you touched on a good point. The biggest thing, the biggest test for Matthew is going to be how he was going to adjust to becoming that guy, being the go-to guy, not being a supporting member in his draft year, but now being the go-to guy. And he's taken the, the, the ball and run with it. He's just done very well production-wise, responsibility away from the puck. I mean, the good thing about Matthew is, is his pulse of play is uh, – is very good. And that, that, that creates separation for him on the ice almost every shift. He just wants it a little bit more than some guys in the queue. And then when he gets it, he's able to, to make a play and, and produce points, either scoring or setting up his line mates. I'm glad you mentioned his pace of play. It's one of the things that I find in junior more than props, any other league is players just need to play at such a much higher pace. And I don't think they really recognize it till after they get through an NHL camp. And, you know, they the prospect camp and development camp, and then they get in with some NHL guys and they're just like an AHL guys. And they realize, oh, that's how, like, when they say you got to keep your feet moving, you got to, you got to move, you got to move. Um, how much was that an impact for him coming into your guys' camp, um, going, going through that process and then coming back into Halifax? I think it was, it's important for all prospects. I think he had a little bit of a leg up because he did have a, a stronger work ethic and commitment than, uh, like I say, uh, uh, his game is, is very direct at times uh, in regards to effort. And so he had a little bit of a leg up on that. Um, but once you do see it up close in, in person, that's exactly when your eyes open as a prospect because you realize these guys are only going for 40 to 45 seconds max, but they're exhausted at the end of every shift. And Junior guys have a tendency to take a little longer shifts because they're needed on the ice to be difference makers. So you can develop some potential uh, on-ice, bad ice time management ability. But uh, if you want to be a pro hockey player, you got to break those habits. And, and the best way to break them is to see them firsthand. Those are things I'm assuming that, you know, your player development department, you know, continues to remind them and, you know, set them up with, okay, here's what your game is now. And here are the things we want you to work on. And then here are the reasons why, because, you know, this is going to help you get to this point. And yet, I mean, I agree. I think he's got a good engine. It's just sometimes, you know, you talk about those, the needs of the junior team, and then obviously the needs of what the NHL team is. Absolutely. And and the biggest reason, you know, Will Mickle and his staff on our development uh, program, the reason why they're communicating with players is they want to shorten that window of time before they can get to the NHL and prospects that take a little bit longer, they might have more of a tendency to have some junior habits that they have to break. And so the whole idea of the development staff is to try to get them prepared as quick as possible, both on and off the ice to become NHL players. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio. When we continue, we're going to 
We're going to chat about some more Vegas prospects right after these important messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting. Through an integrated series of best business practices, they design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. Uh, We're continuing to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights prospects with their director of scouting, Scott Luce. Scott, I want to ask you, and we've talked about this player before, but I'm bringing him up again because he's one of my, and I try not to have favorites in a draft because you get biases and you know what it's like. They'll like, they'll come back and kick you in the ass. But Matthias Sapovalov, for me, was one of my more favorite players in the 2022 draft because I look like his size, obviously at 6'3". But what I liked about him is, is like he was so intelligent without the puck and his defensive habits were so mature for an 18 year old kid. It was like watching a 22 or 23 year old player. And it's one of the reasons why I pushed his floor really high on my personal rankings, because I said, okay, maybe the, the ceiling's not there for him to be a top six, but that guy could end up being, a premier third line shut down third line center who can give you points all day long. And then you're going to want him to match up in the playoffs. Talk a little bit about 
you know, he said, and he's in a really great situation with Saginaw and, you know, they're going to, they're hosting Memorial cup. So he's going to, you know, they're going to go on a long playoff run. Talk about what he's done the last couple of years in this season and all his international competition twice at the U 18s, you know, two times at the world juniors and he's probably, he's going to go back again. So it's going to be three times. Talk about not only his game and what you guys saw going into a draft, but then, you know, a couple that with all his international success. Cause I think that's really helped his development as well. Yeah, there's no, there's no question. Sapo's got a lot of mileage on him already as a, as a young prospect with all the international experience. Well, the one thing that stood out in his draft year for us is Saginaw is playing a lot of a run and gun style of play. And he needed to be responsible because he wasn't exactly playing with the most responsible guys on the ice. So I think that really helped him pop as a prospect in his draft year because he does have the offensive ability. But what you really noticed was his responsibility and good faceoff work uh, in his OHL season there. Um, that really popped night in, night out for our scouts when they were viewing the guy. They just realized this is a smart two-way guy who has a lot of underrated offense, but is a very, very reliable player. And, and coaches have no hesitation to put him on the ice in any situation. And as he's developed, he's really become a, a, a late game guy in regards to if you need that power play point or you need the uh, penalty kill late in the game, he's the go-to guy. And that's where his development's really going to take off this year with uh, Saginaw once they get their pieces together and, uh, you know, host the Memorial Cup. He's going to really shine down the stretch for them. And obviously, you hope he has a good World Juniors this year again. But uh, that, you know, you described him very well. Uh, he just really popped from that defensive point of view. And for where we got him in the draft, we were quite pleased. Well, you also, I look at him, you know, I think internationally, and sometimes, you know, Chechia gets overshadowed because the Americans and, you know, Canadians and the Swedes and the Finns, you know, and the Chechia is not quite as strong, but boy, they're hard charging. They're, they're getting much, much better. And they're going to be forced to be reckoned with. What I liked about him in, in those situations is he got all the heavy matchups um, against the top players and just his ability to be able to handle that in those situations. To me, it's it's a matter a matter of his mental emotional maturity. When I look for resilience in a player, when they're playing against the hardest lines, the hardest players, how do they perform in those situations? If things go bad, can they forget and move on to the next play and the next shift and not let that bother them? And it's something that really stood to me, particularly last year in his game, where his mental emotional resilience, if things went bad it was just almost like he just had a really short memory, like a memory, like a goldfish. It didn't really matter. He was just going to get back to his habits. Yeah, no, he, his maturity that way, his mental maturity has really helped him develop as a prospect. I mean, when you look at his world junior numbers, I think he had three or four points the first time. And then last year he was a point of game guy. So I think this year his expectation for himself will be to probably add a little bit more offense. Uh, but at the same time, he knows he's going to be matched up against the heavy hitters. So it'll be interesting to see how he does this year. But uh, I think his his approach mentally to the game and and not only game to game, but more importantly, as you say, shift to shift, really helps him stand out as a prospect. Uh, and probably as he's get, getting ready to turn pro, will be a little bit mentally stronger than some of the other guys coming into the system at the same time. You know, I think his habits, are the main thing is that's the difference between guys who make the NHL and don't. I've found in conversations I've had with, with scouts, is really that their habits and consistently good habits. 
Um, and I think he has those in spades. And I think this year, like the world, I think what's really going to grab people's attention. And I think, cause he's been flown under the radars, the Memorial cup. And then this world juniors, I think he's going to be more of a household name in terms of, you know, people really respecting his game and really recognizing his game. So, you know, hopefully maybe us on the show, we'll get some validation for that. Doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Most of the time we're eating crow, but we'll, we'll take the wins once in a while. Uh, Want to ask you about Jordan, Jordan Gustafson, uh, you know, and he's another player, a centerman. I like where he's playing in, in Seattle. I think they do a really good job of developing their players. They have a really strong player development department, um, really strong leadership and coaching in the management. So is it of value to you and your organization knowing that a player like that is in that type of franchise where you, they know, you know, he's going to be taken care of and that you guys have similar, you know, aspirations and, you know, developmental, you know, needs as well. So of course, junior team wants to win and Seattle wants to win, but you know, they're cognizant of what you guys need to do to help that player as well. Yeah, I think there, I think there is a little bit of truth into that. I mean, it's not a primary aspect that we focus on when we're looking at analyzing the prospects, but I think it's a value added point when you're looking at a couple of guys on the list and you've got a, a, a player at an organization where you're very confident in those things that you just mentioned that that helps out, you know, you know, you're going to get a guy that's going to be held accountable is going to be provided the opportunity to get better physically, uh, mentally, um, you know, being a good billet house, all those things, uh, the good organizations in the CHL, which, which most of them are, uh, they, they have those in place. And uh, then it's just a matter of the prospect meshing with everything and, and optimizing the situation. And, you know, with Jordan, the biggest thing is his versatility as a prospect really has him stand out because he's not a, not an overly big player, but he can play up the middle. He can play on the wall. He can play in any situation. I think his versatility is what stood out the most to us uh, in his draft year. And he, he's got the high compete and uh, he complements other skilled players very well. And uh, he's, you know, just coming back from an injury. So he's off to, you know, um, I think just under 10 games played now. But uh, he's healthy now and, and going. I'm going to see him play uh, in December here coming up. And, uh, you know, he's going to have a good rest of the season. There's no question because he brings the intangibles that uh, you had mentioned before. When you look at a player like this, in terms of the draft value, that versatility, that Swiss Army knife, where you could foresee him playing in a bunch of different situations at the pro level, you know, maybe a little penalty killing little matchup, you know, on a, on a bottom line center wing, if somebody gets hurt or you need a different, you know, somebody who can come in and like take a face off because he's a left-handed, you know, in those situations, movement, a bunch of different situations. How much does that come into factor when, because, you know, you guys know what the coaches want at the American league level and the NHL level is they want guys who can, you know, they could move guys around and that they don't have guys aren't stuck in a pigeonhole that, you know, they can play a bunch of situations? You know, it's, it's a great question and a great statement. Uh, I find, and we find as an organization, that the kids that have versatility, they know that. And they, I think they know the value of that. And that's one thing that they will speak to at the Combine. And then when we interview them is, hey, I, not only can I do this, but I can also do this, this, and this. And then obviously we've got to validate that with our viewings. But I think that the players themselves understand the versatility because, as you well know, Shane, you know, getting to the American League, establishing a pro identity, if you if you only have one trick pony, 
you're not going to have much success. You got to be really good at that one trick. But if you've got a couple of different cards in your hand to play, then the coaches can put you in different situations depending on who's been called up, who's injured, so on and so forth. And, and you know, as you well know, the key is to get to the NHL when you're in the American League. And if you have a couple different options on how to play and who to play with in certain situations, I think that's really, really important. And, and Jordan was the type of player that when we interviewed him, he knew exactly what he was and what he could be. And I think that helps his effectiveness game in and game out. Well, Scott, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you at the rink. Take care, Shane. All the best. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's hour two in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. I'm speaking with Patrick Williams, HL correspondent for HL.com and NHL.com, talking about the rookies in the American Hockey League. And, you know, it we're, we probably both sound like a broken record when we talk about the Syracuse Crunch and the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, American affiliate, and how many times do they get second-rounders, third-rounders, fourth-rounders, and beyond and turn them into either viable NHL players or really good American League players? And 
I think once again, we have to look at rookie Maxim Groshev. Yep. There, once again, you got a third round pick, 85th overall, has come over as a 21 year old. And yeah, he played in the KHL, VHL last year. Strong numbers. Not so much, obviously, in the KHL, but very good in the VHL. And has come over here and looked like he has belonged here his whole career as a 20-year-old yep. with 13 points and 14 games. That's not all about points, but, you know, he's been really responsible without not taking a lot of penalties. He had three minors, and he's a plus three, and take that for what it's worth. But for a rookie, that's those are pretty impressive numbers right off the hop, and it's early, but... You know, it's almost I almost kind of shrug my shoulders and and like say that's Syracuse being Syracuse. Yes. Yes. And that's been a that place has been a, a you know, production line for better, you know, over a decade now, really. You look at the players that have come through that system throughout the years and all types of players, too. I think that's the impressive part. Um, you know, they're able to develop the high end players. uh but also, you know, kind of the, the third, fourth line guys, the guys that are going to play a role. A lot of tweeners. At the NHL level. And, uh, you know, it's just a very good teaching environment in general. Now, it's a little bit different this year. Uh, Joel Bouchard came in, uh, replacing Ben Groove, who had been there for, for you know, back going back to 2016-17. So, um, you know, there's that adjustment period, uh, some definite turnover with the – Syracuse roster in the offseason. So now that's what kind of the environment Groshev was walking into. Coming over as a 21-year-old kid from Russia, you know, obviously a much different game over in the KHL as well. You know, the thing that I like about him is, like, he'll shoot the puck. Um, yeah, not afraid to shoot the puck from anyone. Not afraid at all. Uh, you know, um, over, two, you know, two-plus shots a game, you know, has a good shot. So, like, you know, clearly the message has reached him, like, you have a shot, use it, right? And like he's heated that message, um, you know. And obviously, you know, it's starting to pay off, you know, production wise. But eight goals in fourteen games, yeah, right. Like so, that that's great. And uh, uh, with Bouchard, he's a real stickler for details, not a lot like Gru was. Um, uh, so I think that's the bigger thing now for for a young player like a twenty one year old learning a different style, uh, coming into a different environment. Uh, to really start to round out some of those other sides of his game. But good energy, a um, lot of uh, willingness to kind of engage in the play. And, you know, he's, yeah, I like when a young player gets some of that early success production-wise too. I think it just – it builds well for them, just confidence-wise and nothing else. Let's talk about Xavier Parent, undrafted, yeah. five foot eight, 170 pounds, eh, probably a little heavier than that. You know, played in the queue, obviously with Sherbrooke, um, one year with Halifax. You know, gets a few games with Utica last year. Obviously, he had like 14 games, six points. You know, obviously lit up BCHL over a point a game. And mm-hmm. then just sort of slides into the American League, into his second year pro with a point a game. And do I project him to be an NHL player? I think that might be hard-pressed for him to pull that off. But he could end up being a really great American League player who gets called up, you know, and because yeah. the clearly offensive talent to boot. I mean, a character kid. He wore an A, wore a C in Sherbrooke in the, in the queue. So he's a captain of the team. Had a rid- ridiculous last season. I think he had 106 points in like 65 games. So clearly an offensive dynamo. But that doesn't always translate. 
And sometimes when the young players go to the ECHL, they pout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get mad because they think they should be in the American League based, especially if you put up 106 points in the queue. But that didn't happen for him. And then he comes into Utica and just really, like, takes it takes the bull by the horns and I give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. And you know, sometimes players, you know, they, they, I think there's been much better recognition the last several years that players have different timelines in their development curve. Some players more or less are a finished product by the time they're 20. Now maybe the ceiling is not very high, Um, but you know, other players, sometimes you don't really see that, that, that finished product. So they're 24, 25 in some cases. So you have a guy who's 22, Obviously on the smaller side, but, you know, I think he's fairly stocky, so I like that aspect of him. Um, but, you know, like, you know, it's, again, it's an opportunity. He got the, the, the chance to go to Adirondack last year, um, managed that well in terms of, like, how you approach it. You know, some players, they they bury themselves on their own because they go there and they just don't have the right frame of mind. He went there, good frame of mind, uh, worked himself in the lineup with Utica in the playoffs, uh, showed well there and comes in this year, you know, like, you know, just really on fire right off the bat. And uh, production wise, obviously, uh, a strong performance. Now, what I like really for him in Utica, and I think we talked about this with Chase Stillman as well, is you're in Utica, you're playing for Kevin Denis, a guy that played 20, 20 years in the NHL, was an NHL captain. Like, what better? Him. Yeah. Well, what and what better, I mean, environment or teacher could you have than somebody that's played? in the NHL and, 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 you know, he's almost been coaching now for 20 years as well. So like, I mean, just a wealth of knowledge that you're going to be, you know, if you're a smart player and I think uh, he is, you're going to just, it's like you're going to Harvard, right. For, for your hockey education, you know, learning from a guy like Deneen. So I think that's just a fantastic opportunity for him. And Hey, you know what? You're undrafted, but you know, you, you look around the NHL, there are a lot of guys that were undrafted that made Found a name for themselves. They, they, they found a way, they got an opportunity, no matter how small it was, and they, they took it and they made something of it. And so, um, yeah, I, you know, I I want to see where he goes in the next year or two, but I like uh, I like where he's at right now. I, like, I think it's, again, a lot like Groshev. I like a player getting that early success under their belt, too. I think it's good for them, you know, just confidence-wise. And then, you know, the rest of their game can round out from, from there. Let's talk about, hey, talking about Harvard, we'll talk about Sean Farrell, yeah. you know, you know, a smaller forward as well at, you know, f- you know, five, nine, you know, fourth round pick. What I liked about his trajectory, he played two years in national U S national development program, mm-hmm. then plays two years for the Chicago steel USHL comes into Harvard as a 20 year old freshman plays two years there. And then comes out, you know, plays at the world championships last year and, you know, got six games with Montreal. And then this year is his first year, the American Hockey League and Laval and is 12 points in 15 games. And there's another guy. I like that long track record. Like he could even yeah. played an extra year in Harvard and like came out even a year later, but he's 22. He's not a 20 year old. And I yeah. think, you know, that says something and they're going to be really patient with him. I mean, he's, yeah. there, there's always a place you can have one player like that on your roster and your forward group. And can he be that player at, for the Montreal Canadiens in a couple of years? Give him, you know, a couple of years in the American Hockey League and see what he does after that. Yeah, no, I, I, I like, I'm, I love the U.S. National Development Program there. You know, the people that, um, that run that program and have uh, run that program in the past. I mean, you're getting just an elite 
education there, right? Uh, at such a young age, and like what I like about that is you're not you're not getting those bad habits formed early. Um, you know that sometimes you know you you, you see young players. They spend their first couple of years of their pro career just kind of undoing some of that, um, some of that damage, or, or learn how to you know play a proper pro style game. Like when you're when you're getting that education, right? Like you're getting a good foundation right off the spot or right off the hop, and um, that part I think is really you know great. And then obviously you go to Chicago Steel, premier USHL team. Um, you know, one of the best of the best there. And then you go to Harvard, right? Like, you know, it's certainly a player or two there going to Harvard. There's a lot off the ice you have to manage, you know, as far as, you know, your schoolwork and, and everything that goes with that. So, you know, you're, you're, you're getting a mature player by, by 22 years old when he comes in to Laval, um, you know, that, you know, know he's got a good head on his shoulders. He can certainly, uh, you know, multitask. I think that's a huge part of today's game with development. It's not just what goes on the ice. It's, it's how do young players manage everything else that's coming at them. There's so much more uh, that they have to deal with than maybe players did 15, 20 years well, ago. There's, in terms there's of, more noise. It's not there's just more so noise, have, and especially yeah. now, like you're in Laval, you're in the Montreal. I mean, Laval's, the rink is 20 minutes from Bell Center. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's literally one subway or metro stop to the other, and you know, like that, that, that could be tough if you're not a mature player. Um, so I like that fact that he's got the maturity to himself um, to, to come in there and handle that because, you know, he came in with a lot of fanfare, uh, a lot of, um, a yeah, lot of hype. Yeah. World, you know, he played at world two, two world yeah. championships, played in the Olympics, you know, so and a lot so of points. You, you yeah. know, that, that can swallow up a lot of players if, if you don't have the right uh, frame of mind coming in there. I like that. He's uh He's, he's got that, you know, that foundation, you know, as far as, you know, his himself and just, you know, I think he's going to build well for him in Laval. So he starts to develop, you know, as a player as well. 100%. Well, Patrick, thank you very much for coming on the show. Always appreciate the insight on the HL rookies, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. 
Com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. We're speaking with Mike McMahon. College Hockey Insider, read his Substack. It's a must-read every week, and he's also columnist for the College Hockey News. Uh, once again, we'll continue to talk about college hockey prospects, and this week we're going to ch- chat about Jack Devine, University of Denver, Florida Panthers seventh-round pick, Mike, who has is being play is playing unbelievable this year as a twenty-year-old. Uh, he turns twenty-one actually in about ten days. Um, so great birthday present for having such a great start to his season. I think he's got 18 points in 12 games. Yeah. And 10 of them are goals. He really kind of right. exploded last year as a sophomore, like yeah. had a good freshman year, 19 points, but only had three goals out of that 19 points. Then last year really stormed on the scene, 31 points as a sophomore, uh, this year, well over a point per game. Now as a junior with 10 goals, like we said, he's on pace for almost 30 goals, which like at the NCAA level is almost unheard of because you're only playing 34 games in the regular season. Um, but that's what he's on pace for right now. Leads her team in shots. Uh, he's an offensive driver on a team that has a lot of really good skilled players around him too. Yeah. We talked about Massimo Rizzo a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, I mean, if he came, continues on this pace and it, it really, it almost started last year, you know, towards the end of middle to right. end of last year too. Uh, if you're Florida, you're going to be feeling great about what you have in a seventh round pick. Like I said, a kid, you probably just took a flyer on uh, at the end of the draft to see what he's been doing here uh, through his sophomore and junior year is pretty impressive. Well, it was hard because he had missed, you know, some games here and there. And then, you know, when you're on the in the program, it's an all-star team. So yep. you may be like if he had played, say, for the Chicago Steel or Dubuque or, you know, Sioux Falls, he would have been their leading scorer. But because you play in the program, there's only one puck and there's only two power plays. Right. And it's just it's really hard for the guys who play on the third and fourth lines to get, you know, that many points. Um, particularly more in your under 18 year. I think that's the really hard part for in that situation. I think he was subject to that and that sometimes happens. So you really have to, when you're scouting those players, you got to really dig in deep. So, and I like the underdog stories. I like when the seventh round picks come, come on and, you know, he could legitimately stay another year if he really wanted to, but come out. I mean, if he really, if he scores 30 goals this year, I don't know if there's any reason for him to stay. Um, it's it would be yeah it'd be hard to stay I think at that point to try to give I mean if 30 goals is <laughs> you're talking about a kid who's probably gonna win the Hobie at that point <laughs> yeah 100 percent. you get signed and you're getting signed as a seventh round pick and seventh round picks don't get signed very often so great for him great story I want to see how he continues to to move on another player who 
you know, shouldn't be surprised that he's having a great freshman season and Gabriel Perot. And obviously the concern about him coming into his drafter was skating, but there's a lot of guys who are not the fastest skaters like Mark Stone, you know, for example, or Tyler Toffoli, not the fastest guys, but they understand this, understand how to skate the game effectively. And I think Gabriel Perot, he, he was really skinny. You know, he needed to get, you know, man strength, get stronger. And as that progresses, and he, you know, understands how to skate the game even more effectively. His hockey sense and puck skills are off the chart. And he's a goal scorer, but he's been really, uh, you know, ranking up all the assists. He's got 17 points in 12 games so far. And for a freshman, that, I mean, yes, I know it's a stacked line, but that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and all those have come in the last 10 games. He had yeah. no points first two games of the year. Uh, didn't put up anything against Quinnipiac. Didn't put up anything against Long Island. And then 17 points now in the last 10 games since then. You could kind of see that that switch flip with him, which some of it could have just been getting adjusted to some different things. He's never played yeah. against players that old before, right? Uh, but, yeah, he's he's been a guy that has really again, driven the bus for for BC, along with his line mates who are, who are exceptional with Will Smith and Ryan Leonard. Uh, all first-round picks have all played together. Uh, but, yeah, he's been a guy that could probably even score more because I think I think if you oh were yeah to ask he had fifty three he had fifty three goals last yeah. year so he and can so, score goals that's not a problem and, and I think you want to see I think if I'm BC I want to see him shoot the puck a little bit more he's been really good setting up his teammates there's no question about it but uh, of all their big guns Perot Smith Gaultier Leonard of all like their, their top top picks he's the best he's got goal the scorer. least amount of shots of all of yeah them. And, and ironically and, not ironically then the least amount of goals I think if you get him shooting the puck a little bit more uh, now you're going to see that that goal total come up too just along with the point total. That's where you, the coach has to say, "Hey, just be selfish." Yeah, you're, like you're an elite goal scorer. Like you don't have to defer. Like if the shot's there, take the shot. No one's mm-hmm. gonna get mad at you. Your teammates are gonna get mad at you. Look, your line mates obviously are not gonna get mad at you because they've been playing with you for so long. They know who you are. Exactly. You know, and just take the shot and score the goal, and put us up. You know, because he's got a lethal shot, and his hockey sense, puck skills, like he he understands how to create time and space, and that's I think what makes him you know, such a special player and his hockey sense, the ability, some guys have excellent set processing. They, you know, they see the patterns and they understand how to do that. And there's guys who, you know, can do adaptive processing, but he has both, which makes him so dangerous. And, you know, this just, you know, proves to him. He's also a dual threat. He can make the passes, he can shoot. So such a dangerous player from that respect, really impressive start. You know, another player we should also talk about is, is Aiden Fink. So Penn State University, another seventh round pick, Nashville Predators, uh, to, you know, 2023, not the biggest guy at 5'10", but that's an impressive start for a freshman. You know, he played his two years with the Brooks Bandits, great program in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And then he's come in at 15 points, uh, 13, 13 games so far. Like for a freshman, like he's not exactly playing in a, like it, this is a, that's a tough conference. Yeah, like that. Those are impressive numbers early on. And that's the thing, too. Like you look at Penn State's schedule, and like a lot of teams in the Big Ten, they will tend to front load it with some easier non-conference competition at the start of the year. Yeah, but that he put up points against those guys. He also had a six point weekend against Michigan last week, which included right. four goals. Right. So, you know, he's doing it against teams in the league that are that are tough teams to play against. Notre Dame has got one of the best goaltenders in the country, scored a goal against them, scored a goal against Michigan State on the road. Like I said, six points against Michigan last weekend on the road. Four of those were goals. Uh, really impressive start for a 
freshman number one, a freshman who a lot of us were probably overlooking a little bit because, like you said, seventh-round pick wasn't one of these top first, second, third-round guys that we kind of look at and gets featured heavily in the recruiting articles at the beginning of the year and things like right. that. Uh, but he's come in and he's made as big – he's made as much of an impact as any of those first-round guys. Uh, you know, like we just talked about the, right. the BC guys, his point total is right up there with the rest of them. So he's made as much of an impact on his team as those guys have made on their own teams. Do you think sometimes those players, particularly like Aiden Fink, get overlooked one because he's a seventh round pick, but two, he comes out of, out of the Alberta Junior mm-hmm. Hockey League and there's not much of attention. Like I, I don't blame the college hockey press for not knowing as, these players as well as they can because they're in Alberta, right? And like, there's not as much information about them and you got to start digging for it. And yes, you can see stats and the stats were obviously ridiculously impressive. 97 points, 54 games. I think he had like a point, almost a point a game in the playoffs. So that in itself is impressive. And his year before he was almost a point a game as well, you know, from that standpoint, but that's hard because you guys have so many players coming in and you're trying to cover the players that are already in the league. Like, I I don't blame you for missing a guy like that, but then it becomes a really, like, a really great story for you guys early on in the season. Yeah, and then I think part of it, too, is just the team he was on. I mean, that Brooks team was just killing everybody in that league, right? Yeah. Uh, Another example of an undrafted guy a couple years ago, uh, I see him a lot because he plays at Merrimack, Zach Bookman, a defenseman, broke a bunch of records. Broke a bunch of records that belong to Kale McCarr. So, like, it's right. not like <laughs> a pretty impressive season. Yeah, some Nobody's guy. He's really talking about him. He goes undrafted, and now he's got 13 points in 11 games as a sophomore defenseman. You know, and it's just like, no, this this stuff translates. When you're that good in that league, it translates. And uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think some of it is just where he played. Uh, you know, that league doesn't get as much attention as the program and the USHL and even the BCHL probably. But uh, these guys come in year after year, especially more so the Western schools, it seems like. But yeah, because uh, that just seems to be where they go. But they come in and make impacts right away. Well, that's part of it. You know, just to close off the segment, sometimes there's not as much hype about these guys and. I don't blame the media because we have so much to, you know, to watch. So from that standpoint, just a, it's a great story so far, but Mike, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight of the college hockey prospects and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown on their own, they're essential, but all together they're undeniable. Introducing huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. 
through an integrated series of best business practices, and we designed solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now speaking with Pat Malloy on our regular player development segment. Pat, thanks for coming on the show again. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, the topic this week is multiple threat postures. Pat, give us a little breakdown of what you consider the multiple threat posture and and what its value is in terms of playing the game the right way. Yeah, with with regard to player development, talking about multiple threat posture, really, you know, what we're looking for. And, and of course, you know, you want prospects, you want players to fit into your structure and you want them to be able to contribute from that perspective. But really, when you when you want to push the needle from a performance perspective, you want players that can do multiple things to empower themselves and empower their teammates and multiple threat posture is is a it's a mouthful. But really what it represents is does the way that a player moves and carries themselves provide them the ability to pass, to pass options and control, become a shot threat or extend possession via carry. And so to put that really simply, you know, when you have a player that's maybe underskilled, that's a skater and a puck pusher, and they're just trying to put pucks to areas, skate and threaten you know, they're limited in their ability to make plays or they're limited in in their ability to generate high percentage shots because it takes them time to load and shoot. It takes them time to load and pass. They're often, from a possession perspective, would rather put it in a place and go battle it rather than have the inherent possession ability to carry it long enough to endure in order to make a play. And so when you look at the best players in the world, what you'll find is they're a threat in three ways. They're always available to to extend their possession based on where they carry the puck on their forehand and their ability to guard off uh, with their hips in terms of someone coming and trying to be physical on them or take possession. They're a shot threat, again, because the puck's carried in a loaded position and they can immediately create leverage to shoot. And then, of course, they're always a pass option because they've got good firm possession of pucks, but they can do things off their forehand as a choice A and then always, you know, retreat to, to plan B if they have to extend possession and it becomes a backhand play. Uh, Pat, when it comes to multiple threat posture, how significant it is to see a prospect that's capable of handling ba- bad or difficult passes within their wheelhouse at, at different angles? For instance, there's a prospect out of Russia named uh, Ilya Fedotov. One of his best qualities is being able to take passes that are behind him and still be able to take the puck in one motion and, and bury it. 
uh, on a power play is one example. Another would be uh, just somebody like Capocacco was very good in his draft season at uh, taking pucks in his, in his skates in transition, still be able to kick it back to himself and still stay in motion and carry the play. Is that, is that kind of what we're discussing here in terms of like real, real life examples of multiple threat posture? Um, what that would be rounded posture. And that'll kind of lead me to my, to my next concept, multiple threat, meaning, you know, really we want to be able to pass shoot or, or extend possession via carry would be the three threats. But what you're alluding to is sort of the ancillary skills that go with it in terms of the frame that you create for your body posture. And so one of the things that, that you'll hear, common in the hockey development world is is a frame posture so widened out sort of v-shaped legs you know a foot or so or you know a little bit more than a foot outside their shoulder line on both sides and sort of wide and so what that'll start to do is it sort of get wide and and it's great you're riding your inside edges but you really take away your mobility your ability to as you said pick up bad passes take pucks from behind and so one of look for is that activated posture that we've touched on so much that supports us being a pass shot or possession option and what that is 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 ensuring that we don't as a player we don't get you know sort of in that a frame posture where if you could imagine the letter a and you know the bottom of the a is your two legs widely extended which really limits your ability to move and and mobility really becomes the key to it when you're trying to do things on time with the play so you know, when you think about extending possession, you think about shooting, if you're really wide and it takes you time to get yourself postured up to be able to load a shot, that time is used that, you know, maybe you're not going to get the A choice of shot by the time you've arranged yourself. Same thing with possession, it, you know, escapability becomes really difficult when you're wide because while you might be able to cut or turn, you've got to readjust yourself in order to sort of provide or to access the horsepower in your legs to get going again. And so that A-frame, that, that spread out or stretched out lower body is something that we like to avoid because it just takes away your, your command of your outside edge, which helps with escapability. Your ability to make plays at pace also goes out the window uh, when that's your base posture. It's Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. I'm Shane Malloy with Brad L. from HockeyProspect.com, powered by Instat Hockey, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Pat Malloy about player development. The topic this week is multiple threat postures. Pat, can you kind of briefly explain the difference in terms of the multiple threat posture in movement and then when you're more stationary in say an offensive zone yeah i mean under movement you'll see a couple types of players you'll see the types of players specifically um exiting zones and entering zones what what you would look for is a player with maybe poor habits uh, as they exit or enter a zone would be one that's got the puck dished out way out front of them and the problem with that is is that you know for instance you've heard the the terminology of of keeping the puck off your hip. And so that's another way of putting multiple threat posture in terms of terminology and riding it off your hip allows you to be able to handle if it's required shoot, if it's, it's the time to and pass. And where if your hands are bled out front and the puck is sort of stationary, sort of belly button out, and it only ranges between your two feet, 
Um, it, you, basically, you're robbing yourself of time because if you're going to load it and shoot, there's motion that has to be involved. And ultimately, time is involved to create that. And, and same thing from a pass perspective. It's difficult to have any kind of accuracy and or power on a pass if your arms are extended out front of you and you've sort of let the puck lead you down the ice. So, you know, in a neutral zone setting where maybe I'm just trying to build speed, it may start there. But again, you watch the most impactful players at any level on exits and entries. They've now got the puck in a place where when their IQ takes over, when a play proposes itself, you know, they're in a situation where they're ready to, to do the things that are required to be successful. Uh, from a stationary standpoint sorry. sorry guys from a stationary standpoint same concept you know if if say i'm working the half wall on the power play we'll, we'll watch a prospect are they ready to distribute are they ready to curl and shoot and be an option or have they got the puck let out in front of them and they're busy being a skill guy and stick handling it and doing things that really don't bring any bonus to the play they don't acquire time it doesn't create advantage it's maybe just a net negative habit that really doesn't do much for them so so my right and thinking after having this conversation with you i'm right thinking you're, you're always looking to make sure that when you're developing a prospect they understand when and where they should should they should stay in motion and then what edge they need to be in order to be able to have an escape route and find the right option at the right time. Because correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I think what you're saying is the A stance that, I mean, I've seen Trevor Zagris use it a tremendous amount. I've seen Matt Barzell use A stances occasionally as well uh, when he comes through uh, transitions over the line. Uh, you're saying that you rather, rather than have him be flat footed, you're looking to make sure that he has different options within the skating. Yeah. And, and when you, you know, you mentioned those two players, a lot of times they'll go to a frame in terms of it's, it's almost a delay maneuver for them. You realize that they'll stop um, striding per se, and they'll allow play to catch up or they'll allow something to develop, but they don't stay that way as a base posture long, because one of the things it does is it just, it's, it's almost like dropping the anchor and wondering why you can't pick up any speed. And so sometimes you do want to drop the anchor to pace off play or to, to hold uh, the play at a speed or a pace that allows it to develop the way that you envision. But what we want to make sure is we do have access to things like outside edge for escapability. We can get back to our flat. And then again, time saved, time earned. I can get on the gas. I can get back into stride phase and develop some separation. Well, once again, Pat, thank you very much for coming on our show. That was great insight. I learned a lot in that 10-minute segment. I look forward to speaking to you next week. Sounds great, guys. Take care and stay safe. That's Pat Malloy. Brad and I are going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. 
The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're speaking with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach. Uh, Kevin, as we delve now into Chapter 3 of your book, Hockey Grit, Grind, and Mind, uh, Chapter 3 is about perception. And this is a really fascinating topic, not only for myself, but for Brad uh, and it's about becoming self-aware, uh, you know, and I, I think that's a really hard aspect for a lot of young people to really grasp. They think they're self-aware, but boy, as you like get a little bit older and um, you age and get more experience and been around the block and you've taken some ass weapons, um, your self-awareness really like, you know, evolves very, very quickly. Talk about it from your perspective about helping them young players or even even like young adults learn about how to become self-aware what that really means and then do you are there tools and things that you can use to help them become more self-aware because you can it's one of those things that you can talk about but if you don't get it you just don't get it yeah yeah well i i think as you know young players coming up um just people in general younger younger uh, kids and, and, you know, teens and whatnot, for the most part, they're just living their life, right? They're just sort of going through and doing what they do, going to school and hanging out with parents and friends and, and when playing hockey and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, the world's just sort of happening to them. Right. And they're not really paying attention to what that means, how it makes them feel, what they end up doing because of that. They're just sort of going through life. And I think when I start to share with them that, you know, we, we talked about that triad before about how what you think affects how you feel, which affects your behavior, right? So that that understanding of those those pieces to it. So when I start to talk about being aware of, of your thoughts, being aware of how they make you feel, being aware of what you're actually doing, you know, it's surprising, but 
you know, research says that, that they're about 90 to 95% of our day, we're sort of just floating through it, you know, sort of unaware of all the stuff. We're on automatic pilot, right? Everything is a routine. We get up, we do this, we eat, we go here, we go there. And it's just, we're just sort of floating through and we're not really paying attention to what's going on. But when I think about hockey, when I think about investing as much as you can into something that you want to be great at, you better learn how to pay attention. And when I talk about perception, you know, perception is a funny word. I think really what it means is self-awareness, right? Self-awareness is what I'm talking about. It's looking inwards, right? It's trying to, well, become self-aware. You can't change anything about yourself if you can't recognize it, if, you, if you're not able to see it. And so that is something that can be tricky to begin to expose. But once you sort of kind of click with that, then all of a sudden there's a lot of things that we can do, a lot of things that we can learn. And all of a sudden, you know what, I can actually, I have a little bit more control over this life of mine than I even thought. Well, Mark, to your point, I, th- I think this is one of the most important topics when it comes to off-ice combine interviews. If you ever want to see a prospect move up in rankings because of their off-ice performance at, uh, during the interview process, it's always because it's the prospect that's more self-aware. They know what they are. And they know the development curve that they need to take in order to make the NHL. It gives, it gives scouts and executives a lot more confidence and a lot more stability within their projection. And I just, I think it's a really important uh, uh, topic that we're, we're breaching here. And one of the most important things about it that I don't think is brought up enough, I wanted to get your opinion on this, Kevin, was that I find that self-awareness, a lot of it has to do with emotional regulation. Meaning if you're not emotionally regulated, then you can't emotionally dissociate in a moment, recognize why you're upset or why you're angry or why you're feeling the emotional state you are and you lack the perceptibility to pull back and then emotionally or to, to evaluate it without an emotional, uh, any sort of emotional output. Uh, can you talk about just emotional regulation no. and how you apply it to uh, self-perceptibility and self-awareness and, and how that speeds development? Absolutely. You know, you, you talk about being able to sort of dissociate, to separate from that, say, anger or that frustration or that anxiety that you're feeling. And we, we, have, tend to, we have a tendency to think we are how we feel, right? We are mad. We are anxious. We are frustrated. When in fact, we're just having these feelings of anger. We're having feelings of, of frustration and, and nervousness, right? So we aren't our emotions. We're having our emotions. And so that that tells us that there, there's actually a separation between the two, right? I am not my emotion. And so what we do is when we start to talk about triggers, right? So so what got you angry? What, what was it that made you so mad? And they're like, well, I guess it was when so-and-so did such and such or so-and-so said such and such, right? Okay, let's talk about that for a second. And then, so now we're talking about a trigger, a very specific thing, right? That trigger that made you think something, okay? And when you thought that, you immediately started feeling something. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that gap between those two, right? And so for them, I keep talking about this triad, thinking, feeling, and doing, right? But the reality is, if we can teach them how to break that out, then we can start to intercept. We can start to intercept these these different phases and then make a decision. And part of that is, um, wait, I talk about you know mindfulness training, and I think we've talked about this in the past. But being able to be aware, right? To to being able to slow down and and recognize what your thoughts are. Being able to slow down and recognize how they sort of just run all over the place. But 
if once we start training in that, and once we start connecting the the thought to the feeling to the uh, behavior, then we have a creation of a gap. Mindfulness allows us to see into that gap. It allows us to sort of widen that gap, and it gives us an opportunity to make a decision. So I think some of the the best you know athletes out there have a, a, a unique skill of being able to recognize when they're getting ready to sort of lose it, right? But that didn't happen when they were young. They had to learn how to do that. They had to learn how to recognize that, that whole process of, of thought, feeling, uh, and action. And so I think self-regulation is spot on. Dissociate, dissociating the thought and the feeling from the actions is, is spot on. And, and I, you know, I applaud you for recognizing that in the players that you're, you know, you're sort of scouting and working with and everything, because that's super, super powerful for being able to get the very most out of the people that you're working with. Kevin, question to follow up, obviously what Brad said, when you said about mindfulness and how important that is, um, does breathing techniques and using other mindfulness tools, will that help enhance that ability to become more self-aware? Because I've seen uh, different tools used to be able to put yourself in a situation to be have more mindfulness, but also how much does it go back to simply just stop, breathe, and then think and using breathing techniques to help um, sort of get yourself into that mindfulness mode? Yeah, well, the reason we use breathing for sort of our anchor for, for mindfulness training is it's something we can put our thought on. But if you've ever done any kind of mindfulness training, you'll recognize that if you're paying attention to your breaths, you can do that for a couple, right? And then all of a sudden, your mind sort of drifts away. It's like it's like having a puppy, right? You've got a puppy and it's fun. And all of a sudden, it just sort of wanders off and sort of gets into stuff, right? And so you've got to recognize it. Oh, what are you doing over there? Get back over here. Get back over here, right? But see, it's even more than that because I can say, so tell me about that. Tell me about where your mind went. Tell me where it was. And then tell me how you brought it back. How did you do that, right? And so we're actually learning how to recognize where our thoughts are and then to bring them back to some place that is more helpful. And again, when I talk about mindfulness, I'm teaching them how to recognize the gap between thought and feeling because that happens so fast. I mean, that is like millimicroseconds fast, right? I have a thought, I have a feeling, boom. And now once that feeling takes over, it sort of just rushes through us. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like we're sort of taken over and here comes this behavior, here comes the actions, right? Which tend to not serve us when they're negative emotions, right? So again, mindfulness helps us understand the gap, but it also teaches us to sort of draw our attention to a, a place in time, right? An anchor that, that we can look up and say, wow, I, I did that. I did that. I recognized my thoughts were wandering and I brought it back. How cool is that? I want to thank you very much for coming on our show. Again, we always appreciate it. We look forward to speaking to you next week. Uh, this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, powered by Instat Hockey and Junior Prospect Hockey League and Fractal Hockey Consulting and Outside Edge Player Development. You can listen to the show on your favorite podcast network or YouTube and follow us on Twitter at HP Radio and HockeyProspectRadio.com. Thank you to all our guests, and we will see you at the rink. Every play. Every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat. 
a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.